Welcome, friends. This is Pastor Brian Hudson. Welcome to Conversations in Focus here on Vision Stream Network. This is a program that is designed to do one simple thing, to bring people whom I believe are making a positive impact in our community, in God's kingdom. And we're living through an epidemic that we all know about, coronavirus, COVID-19. It's a, a pandemic, excuse me, a pandemic. And it, the whole world is 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 being... Uh, you know, afflicted by this thing. And, and, but there's a side effect. You know, there's the casualties of people being lost, people being sick, uh, people being infected. We're all doing our best with social distancing, staying at home as much as possible with masks and all the rest. But the side effect to this, one of the side effects is people are suffering, not just physically, they're suffering emotionally. They are suffering mentally. We're seeing rise of domestic abuse. We're seeing a rise of mental distress. And so we want to talk about that today. And I have a guest here today who is highly qualified to talk to us about this important topic. Her name is Kamish Nunley. Welcome, Ms. Nunley. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here to talk about such an important and vital topic. Kamish Nunley is a licensed mental health counselor and certified trauma specialist currently practicing as a private practitioner in Carmel, Indiana. As a certified trauma specialist, Kamish specializes in the treatment of trauma survivors ranging from complicated grief issues, sexual, physical abuse, compassion fatigue, refugees, and critical incident stress debriefing in schools and agencies. Kamish graduated from Indiana State University and earned her master's degree in mental health counseling with a specialization in cognitive behavioral therapy. She is known for providing focused psychotherapy that is practical in application. Clients have said that she is compassionate, genuine, and goes above and beyond psychotherapy sessions to help them in their path toward self-actualization. Kamish provides individual, couples, family, and group psychotherapy for children and adults from ages 10 to 60 plus. Kamish takes on many roles outside the counseling setting. She is currently the president and CEO of Women Empowering Women Network, an organization that's focused on empowering women vocationally. She speaks on various topics about empowering women, overcoming trauma, and transitioning from self-esteem to self-acceptance. On top of all this, Ms. Nunley is a loving wife and mother. So thank you for being on. And uh, talk a bit about yourself and what you do. Like you said, um, I am a licensed mental health counselor, a certified trauma practitioner, and I've been practicing for about 15 years now. Majority of my work is in the area of complex trauma issues. I also work with um, adolescents, youth, um, and do, at this point, ministry work through our mental health programming. Um, and I am just very passionate about um, addressing the issues of today and helping people to heal and overcome any struggles that they have. Yeah, so key. And today with so much misinformation going around, with people just, just you know, Googling everything and trying to figure things out, it's good to have experts, you know, talk to us. And it's so important. People well, are trying to... Well, self-diagnosis is always a problem. Self-medicating is always a problem. We know this. So thank you for helping us. First question is, um, why is this an important topic during this pandemic? 
That's a good question. You know, during this time, there is so much focus on our physical um, health, um, but it's also important for us not to forget our mental and emotional well-being um, as changes are happening. I mean, it's easy to feel overwhelmed, anxious, stressed, um, and mental health issues are known to be on the rise during situations such as this. So it's vitally important uh, that we include this piece. And honestly, just if I could be candid, um, mental health has been a pandemic or a rising pandemic for some time now. And so it's now that um, we can actually put a voice to it and talk openly about it and people are receiving of it. Um, there's been a lot of different studies um, being done now and before on different pandemics on the effects of mental, uh, how it affects our mental health. Um, psychologically, the findings are fairly alarming with regards to the levels of trauma and subsequent diagnoses and addictions that end up happening in the residual or the residue of pandemics. Um, and what allows for this is um, after, or what I was noticing and uh, um, starting to come into a level of understanding is after I've worked with you know a number of clients who have been strongly affected by this pandemic and the sheltering in place um, as well as consulting with like different friends and family is that we're having a lot of conversations and many of the things that they're now struggling with very much resemble that of a mental health disorder and so for instance some people that i've talked to have complained about like having low energy feeling more irritable um, and tired, even though they've not done much throughout the day. And this sounds quite familiar um, in the area of depressive disorders, um, where isolation is a huge piece of depression. Um, and so just if you consider the symptoms that align with the stories that you're hearing, I heard another person uh, describe feeling stuck in their own body and wanting desperately to get out. Um, you know, wrestling with going outside and, and just having to be overly cautious, wanting to go outside, but can't. And this in our world is known as social anxiety and agoraphobia. So these things start to sound very familiar, you know. Um, and then lastly, another person explaining how exhausted they were after visiting the store um, because of having to monitor what they touched, um, making sure uh, to not touch their face, being overly cautious of other surfaces, uh, making sure that they're gonna wear a mask or have something to cover their faces. Um, and that's appropriate uh, uh, according to the standards now. Um, making sure to keep social distance when they are in public, you know, trying to distance themselves from splatter or coughs or anything like that and kind of avoiding people. And this in the grand scheme of things sounds very much like that of a trauma survivor. Mm -hmm. uh, or trauma symptoms, uh, more commonly known as post-traumatic stress disorder, where you're forced into the space of hypervigilance, you're on guard majority of the time, um, you see people in your immediate environment as a potential threat, um, and so that does very much resemble uh, that of a traumatic disorder. And then to return home and go through these rituals of washing our hands, some of us removing our clothes, trying to keep the outside outside and the inside inside. Um, my husband one day told me I need to spray myself down 
I was in my office all day doing <laughs> workshops. I'm like, I'm not going to spray myself with Lysol. Um, but I, you know, ended up having to wash my clothes. Um, and then making sure not to touch my kids or him upon re-entering the home um, and constantly worrying about germs and things like that and just being overly vigilant about those things sounds a lot about OCD. Yes. It, it sounds a lot like OCD. So it's for these reasons that we have to focus both on our physical health, but also our mental and emotional health during this time. Because if we're experiencing these symptoms that are similar to mental health diagnoses, I imagine it's probably tenfold for those who had already had some level of mental health issue, and now they're being exacerbated as a result of the sheltering in place. Um, And so it's a humbling experience. um, And it's wrought with grief, you know, fictive kinship that produces like guilt and shame in us, um, trauma and a sense of, you know, learned helplessness. Yes. Well, we're going to win this battle against COVID-19, hoping to lose the war for ourselves, you know, for our, for our mental, emotional well-being. You've expressed, you know, well, you're an expert. I couldn't express it any better than that. But you said exactly what's about heart is certainly being cautious, being careful, doing all the best practices is essential. Even the term social distancing, we should have called it physical distancing, you know, I mean, we, we, we have hurt ourselves socially in the effort to combat this, which I, I mean, I understand the you know, trade-offs and the risks, and the, but my God, we are really hurting ourselves and one another in, in other ways that may take a longer time to recover from than from the virus itself. Another question I had for you, I, I hear your passion and I hear your heart and I'm just curious as a pastor, you know, how did God prepare you? I mean, how, how did he put you in this position to, to serve in this manner? You know, I get that question quite often. Um, and I try to be as transparent as possible when I'm answering this question, because I want other people to understand that, you know, this work, um, I think sometimes when we, we see other doing the, others doing this work, we just think that they're sitting across from someone talking and um, we're listening. But my passion for this, um, for helping people, was birthed out of my own life struggles. As many other therapists and or pastors um, get into the field for, because we recognize a level of suffering that either we've had to endure or someone in our immediate surrounding has had to endure. And so we become passionate about trying to help those overcome those struggles, um, helping others understand it's possible to overcome. A lot of people don't feel like you know, they just adopt it as their identity and they don't think that there's a possibility for healing uh, their deeply seated wounds. Um, and so my expertise in this area of complex trauma was largely driven by uh, a need uh, where, you know, I notice a high rate of suffering, especially in the area of trauma, which includes um, abuse, neglect, um, burnout or compassion fatigue and first responders leader and uh, and leaders within the church as well as those having high levels of anxiety driven driven by fear which is much of our population today so um when people ask me this i just oftentimes want to take a time to reflect and say that you know we are human and pain is a part of our human experience and a lot of times we don't do pain well and I want to serve as a living, living testament of how to healthily um, do pain well. 
as well as help people, you know, charter the territory of what their healing path needs to look like in order to do pain more healthily. So I hope that answered your question. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, I hear your heart and I appreciate you so much. And um, again, you know, like the Bible says, you're called for such a time as this, right? Sometimes you find out why God brought you this way. Another question, going back to our topic, what are some misconceptions about mental health, mental illness? Um, you know, most of the misconceptions are the myths that I've encountered either as a therapist now or even just being in the church um, is driven by long-held stigma of surrounding mental health. Um, and it oftentimes prevents those who are actually hurting, especially in our community as African-Americans, from actually seeking out the help that they need. Um, so things that I hear um, or the misconceptions that get passed around oftentimes or are things like, um, if you uh, see a therapist, that means that you're crazy. We hear that quite often, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, people with mental health issues are violent and lack control, um, that they're weak, uh, that people um, who experience some level of mental health issue and aren't able to overcome it, that they don't pray enough or they don't have a strong enough faith. Um, And seeking out a therapist is a betrayal to God of sorts. Um, And that if you talk about your pain and suffering, it will ultimately make things worse for you. Now, neither of those are accurate. Um, I, you know, spend a lot of my time helping children and families understand the level of normalcy of, of of reaching back and um, working with them through any troubles that they have. Um, and I use biblical examples of how that happened, especially in the relationship with Paul and Timothy, um, where he oftentimes talked to Paul about his anxiety. And Paul was able to reframe things for him and help him um, see what is. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different misconceptions surrounding mental health. And I, it, it's also, set up to prevent us from achieving a greater level of healing. Yes, yes. Well, let's talk about some solutions. Let's talk about, you know, let's just help people as we as we continue our discussion. Um, what are, I'll say this, um, in this time of isolation, what do you recommend we do to maintain healthy emotions and a good mental outlook? It's a great question. You know, at the behest of not sounding um, insensitive to our current plight, um, I, I really feel that this is a time to readjust and reconfigure the way we do life. Um, we have been forced into, um, back into a way of life that has caused us to center ourselves in the things that need matter most to us. Uh, things like family, things like relationships, you know, supporting and encouraging others, um, being connected with self and prioritizing self-care, um, learning to appreciate the many anything that we usually take for granted, you know, living out Philippians 4.8, as an example. Um, And for some of us to be able to uh, rest because um, God gives rest to those he loves. Um, In terms of maintaining our healthy emotions, we are constantly in motion. Uh, I call it, you know, being in a hypnotic, fixated, trance state of doing. Mm. Um, whereas now now we're forced to focus on just being, which there, you know, if you delve heavily into the, into Bible days, 
they prioritize uh, the importance of Sabbath rest. And for some reason nowadays, we've kind of gotten away with, you know, we've gotten away from that format. And it's something that, you know, this shelter in place is forcing us back into. So, you know, even though all this chaos and death surrounds us, we still have, you know, we're forced into a space where we have to be still, where it's mm-hmm. not about doing, it's just about being with one another, connecting with one another in different ways. Um, so this is a great time to focus on getting enough sleep, you know, eating well, parenting from a faith-based versus fear-based approach, because I think a lot of times when we get busy doing you know, a lot of our parenting approaches come from um, a fear-based approach. Mm. Um, do, doing activities that create a sense of mindfulness, like prayer, uh, meditation, uh, gardening, if it's safe. Um, you know, doing things like game nights, um, character building activities with children. Uh, if you're married, you know, considering date nights, um, which I've seen couples like get really creative on how they do date nights (laughs) on social media. Um, And then getting back to, you know, therapeutic stuff like journaling, writing out what you're feeling, because it's quite therapeutic to take everything that's going on in here and that's stressful and take it out here. It's a process called externalization where you uh, detach self from problems. Um, And then, you know, connecting with friends and family through FaceTime, things like that. Um, are some great things to do to maintain emotional stability while we go through the shelter in place. But some things that you want to consider not to do. Can I say those things? Please. Awesome. Okay. Um, We don't want to spend the majority of our time engrossed in the news and on social media. Because even prior to this pandemic, social media um, and the algorithms within um, have been known to create levels of depression and anxiety, as with the news. I mean, um, much of what we hear today about this pandemic is that if you get COVID, you're, it's a death sentence. And that is not always true. But if you Im- imagine, you know, you, you're subjected to that on a regular basis and um, for lengthy periods of time, and then you get COVID, well, the automatic assumption going into the hospital is that you're going to die. And our physical health is strongly connected to the ways that we think about things. And so, you know, it's important that we readjust and realign to understand truth and sometimes detaching from those devices or detaching from news segments is a way to do that. Um, And then the other thing uh, that we want to be able not to do is allowing our frustrations to dictate our behaviors and how we react with those close to us. Because I know, you know, a lot of individuals um, who are sheltering in place have been forced out of work um, and maybe experiencing some level of financial difficulty. Um, and it can be very easy to take that into our relationships and take that into our parenting and parent from a frustrated place um, and interact with our spouses from a frustrated place. And so I just strongly encourage you to have um, time. Um, I call it uh, um worry time where we're very intentional about how we worry about things um, by setting a certain time of day um, or certain times a day where we allow ourselves to feel that. Um, but then after that, we kind of delve back into the family atmosphere. So, mm. And then don't listen to rumors. Make sure you're listening to health. Oh, experts. please. So. Please. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is this is very very insightful. Uh, wow, this is so this is so insightful because my as a pastor, um, you know, I do pastoral ministry in, in which I'm trying to help and comfort and inform people. And I made a list of nine items uh, to encourage people. One item you just said it: don't watch too much news. Get your information. You know, listen to the governor. Be clear about what's happening. But everything else beyond that is hyperbole, it's speculation, it's even fear-mongering. Let me ask you, Ms. Nunley, this next question. Uh, how has the Lord prepared you to serve in this key time? Absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed um, when you sent over this question to me because it really caused me to think. Um, back on how the Lord and my clinical training has prepared me for such a time as this. And um, in responding, I think uh, the question began, um, comes to mind when I began my career where I was focused, you know, the first part of my career on um, just the clinical side of things and the counseling piece. I would just come into my office. I would see clients. Um, and, um, that was for about the first 10 years or so of my, of my career. And it wasn't until the last four or five years that, uh, I moved into more of a mental health ministry, um, arena or, or sect of work, um, which came about as a result of, um, feeling as though, um, something was missing from the counseling sessions that I was doing. Um, you know, clients were describing how they were getting better through therapy, uh, but for some reason, I always felt like um, there's more work to be done. Um, as a Christian woman with long-held beliefs about how God has helped me overcome and move through my own traumas, um, I realized that this was the actual piece that was missing from the scenario. Um, and so upon that realization, I started to um, really think about how I can bring that piece of me as a therapist, as a Christian woman, into the work that I do. Um, and so it became when I sat down with clients, couples, or individuals or groups desiring help, um, that I would say a prayer uh, prior to the entering into the session. And I would allow the Holy Spirit to come into the room. Um, and then for those who welcomed it, I would allow biblical principles and teachings to govern the work that we did together. Um, of course, it goes without saying that our uh, ethical standards won't allow you to bring that unless the client uh, so desires. Um, so I always took notice of that. But at the same time, it was really um, integral for me as a therapist to be able to provide the level of services that I wanted to provide to my clients. Um, and so there's always a preparation period, right, um, for what's to come. And a lot of times it comes in the, in, um, in the manner of adversity. Um, but we rarely recognize that there's preparation taking place until we actually get there. And we can say things like, if it had not been, then, right? Um, so I was being prepared for such a time as this, both um, from my family of origin days, um, as a child being reared, um, and the different things that um, I had gone through, as well as being prepared um, through the ministry work that I've done here with a well-known local church over the um, past five years. 
Um, and then seven years of that in development of how I was going to become an integrationist of sorts. Um, and I don't have to explain to you that people in our community and our churches um, heavily rely on the stigma of needing someone to, um, of not needing someone to talk to about their problems or their burdens. And so this would oftentimes deter them from getting the help that they deserved. However, through my work over the last five years, at this church, you know, we have seen some incredible healing um, and transformations take place um, as a result of this work. You know, we've kind of broken down the walls of that stigma of sorts. Um, and now we've successfully normalized counseling for youth and family that I do over there. However, this was not an easy journey by any means. Um, and so it was through the struggles of working within that youth ministry um, where I've been able to um, understand how my training and how the Lord has prepped me for this um, by overcoming the hurdles um, I believe God has used um, for my good or for our good uh, to couple that with my clinical training um, and therefore prepared me to, um, for present day occurrences like this, um, and also those in the future, people like are hurting right now. Um, and it's at this moment that they're willing to talk about it. They're willing to expose it. Um, they're willing to receive guidance and direction. Um, and their hearts are open. And so now, um, in conjunction with, um, the pastor, um, the youth director, they're willing to seek out um, counseling services. And because I've done this for such a long time now, I'm able to provide the level of um, psychotherapy that is needed for those populations. So, did that answer your question? Yes, yes, it did. And I, again, as a pastor, I love hearing this. I believe that we as a church have to recognize that God has given us all the resources we need. Yeah. Um, you know, and all of them don't come from the pulpit. No. All of them don't come from the Bible study. I mean, we, we, we bring in lawyers. We bring in accountants. You know what I'm saying? Well, bring right. in the therapist. Medical bring doctors. in, <laughs> yeah, medical doctors. Bring in, bring in the, uh, the counselors. And so I like when you say that we're normalizing counseling. We're normalizing. See, we're yeah. getting past the point of thinking that there's something wrong with me for, for wanting uh, and needing counseling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's, it's good because it provides congregants, it provides leaders in the church uh, an opportunity to have a multidisciplinary approach instead of um, focusing solely on uh, the theology of things, um, knowing how to apply that theology. Um, by using psychological application um, is tremendous. I mean, God caused us to transform and renew our minds. And how are we renewing our minds if we're not including the work of that, uh, of the psyche or of the psychology? Absolutely. Well, I talked to a pastor a couple of days ago about this whole season. We're at home. We can't have service, can't be in church. And, and God's using all this to help refocus us. On, in, on intrinsic issues, right? We're, you know, we're we're demonstrative. We're extrinsic. We want to praise publicly, and that's all important. But there's also the need to look to God to help us in areas where we can sometimes we can go to church, go to work, go to meetings, 
and, and completely dodge issues that we should be dealing with in our own hearts, in our own minds, with our spouses, with our children. So even though I don't think God sent all this, he certainly allowed it. But we have to see Jesus and see wisdom in the middle of all this. And, and rather than rather than just react, we can learn to respond and become healthier. In fact, the Bible says in James, we count joy coming into testings, knowing this, the trying of your faith produces patience and patience is development while you're waiting. And he says, let it have its perfect work. You can be complete and entire lacking nothing. We can come out of this thing with more than we had going in. If we let God and experts and wisdom and good medicine and science bring it all together. That's grown folks. Christianity right there. <laughs> People don't always see the subtle nuances, but you're right. I really do feel like we're being called into a season of rest and we're being called into a season of wisdom over just knowledge. And so it's, it's allowing us time to reshift, refocus and um, get our priorities in order. Uh, and it, the first ministry is the ministry of yourself. And if that's not coming from a wholesome place, then, you know, we we really have to be careful. You know, as they say, when you board the airplane, if there's an emergency, put your mask on first. Because if I'm not healthy, I can't really help you. So it's not, you know, some things are personal and not selfish. I tell folks that some things are personal, not selfish, and are necessary to make you more effective in helping other people. Yeah. Next question is talk about um, specific populations that we're all affected by this. But who can which populations concern you most during this pandemic? The populations that really mostly concern me are those that have already had some level of mental health uh, diagnosis or disease. Mostly because um, they aren't given or having regular access to, you know, healthcare um, with the shelter in place. Um, they, you know, now are forced to go on to telehealth, which is a great instrument. Um, it's a great platform to continue our work. Um, however, there is a piece of our work that just requires some level of human uh, connection and interaction. Um, so my greatest um, concern are populations who, prior to this, um, had some level of mental health illness um, in conjunction with um, children um, who come from abusive situations. I feel as though and statistics show that um, the level of domestic violence and abuse with children, um, the rates are increasing drastically since we started this whole pandemic. And so my heart really goes out to those kids who for seven or eight hours a day used to be able to get out and get away from that level of dysfunction and abuse who are now forced to, you know, isolate and be alone with their abusers and, you know, don't really have a concrete way to let people know or to escape their situations. And I I strongly believe that we need to create a way for them to be able to reach out if, they don't have access to 911 or they don't have access because there are different apps and things out there that, you know, children can use, but not every child has 
a phone or access to those things. So I really feel as though we need to create a way um, for our children to be able to reach out during this time. Um, because while the physical illnesses are um, very prominent, very important, so are that of the kids who are coming from adverse childhood experiences or trauma. Yes, yes, so true. Um, again, thank you for the insight. Um, something else you're doing, I noticed, uh, I saw a video you produced last year, I think, and, and you're actually offering support for pastors as well. Uh, talk about the name of that ministry and, and what the concept is for that and how, it, how we may partake of it. Right. So, yes, I um, can go on for days about this program because I'm so excited. Um, the program is called First Shepherds, um, and we have about uh, 10 or so pastors or leaders in the church who are now on our pastoral mental health task force of sorts since starting it last year. But it was began um, in an effort to, one, take time and recognize that our, our pastors are human too. Um, they experience pain. Um, take time out to pray for our pastors and overall reduce the level and rate of losing pastors in ministry, either because they're leaving the church or because of, you know, committing suicide or suicide. Um, and so pastors and leaders in the church are our current focus at Healing Your Hidden Hurts. Um, even, I dare to say, especially during this pandemic even, because uh, even though they are not often recognized in the clinical world as first responders, um, the nature of their work and the amount of themselves that they have to give um, it closely aligns them with the potential risk and symptomology that the same experiences that our um, emergency response personnel have, nurses have, and even us trauma therapists have. And that commonality for us as servants is the potential for developing um, emotional and empathic deficits, mm. um, of which could make us a high risk for compassion fatigue or burnout, um, which is commonly known as uh, secondary traumatization or vicarious trauma. Mm. Um, so um, as we've been doing this work for the last, it's not even been a whole year yet, um, but as we've been doing this work, um, our pastors that have been involved now want to um, go out and be able to reach other pastors who are going through some of the same hurts and trials and tribulations. And so uh, we started a certification program uh, for the pastors where they can successfully hold their own pastoral support groups from a therapeutic uh, perspective and allow um, mental health to enter into the room, emotional health to enter in the room. Um, it, you know, it rarely talked about how much pastors are subjected to horrific stories of trauma. Um, they're subjected to, you know, people passing away, people's psychological pains, um, you know, people getting divorced, you know, um, we don't really always see that side of pastors, um, you know, having to raise money for churches, um, comforting the sick and shut in, you know, all the while at times feeling as though um, they have to be on um, and taking very little time to like rest and practice what we call Sabbath delight. Um, and then even having the burden of 
perfectionism projected onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could keep going on and on and on, but I don't. Um, so we created First Shepherds to be yeah. a hub of sorts to catch pastors um, because there's a loophole that they kind of slip through. And with the recent suicidalities of pastors, it kind of opened my eye to a huge need in that area. Um, and so that's what it's about. Um, you start off with an eight-week support group of your peers where there's pastors and leaders from all over um, because they're able to um, use our confidential software to Skype in. So we've had them as far as um, Florida, we've had them in, um, what's the furthest place, Texas. Um, So, you know, it's really been great to see even their transformations because I, I just don't think a lot of people consider pastors human and going through the same trials and tribulations that we, they go through mental health issues. It doesn't make oh, them yeah. any less anointed if they have their own human experience. Jesus had limitation too because he had the human parts of him. And so we just wanted to open that up and expose that and allow pastors to know, no, it's okay. You're normal. You can do this work. You're made for this work. But we all need to be able to, you know, work on different areas of our life at any given time and, and talk through these things. So, yes, um, I tell you, this is a little bit about our pastoral so far. Yeah, Miss Nelly, that is phenomenal. Um, you know, the Bible said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure is in the vessel. The vessel needs rest. The vessel needs help. The vessel needs support. I've been pastoring thirty-seven years. Everything you said, as you were speaking. I'm just nodding on the yeah, yeah. I mean, I, all the above, all the above, and and I've been able to move forward uh, because I have a support network, have had it for a long time, and I rest and do all the things that you just said, and also, but even even with that, I still have my times where I have to pull aside. You know, Jesus on one occasion, he pulled the disciples aside to rest. The Bible says they because they've been so busy hadn't had time to eat. He took them aside, took them off the mission field. So I want to encourage pastors and, and all of us, uh, again, the website's on the screen there. You see, well, you've seen the whole bro- the whole broadcast. You've seen Miss Nunley's uh, websites and resources. Now talk more, if you could, uh, Kamish, about what you offer. Resources, uh, the web links. Talk about what you offer both to the community, to the church, um, and to pastors? Um, well, uh, if you notice that you are developing any level of symptoms similar to the ones that I talked about earlier, or if you notice that you just overall kind of have this feeling of being lost, um, you know, it really is a good idea to reach out to a counselor and um, consider talking or even reaching out to a pastor or just going through and reaching out to a doctor and talking with them about some of your concerns, um, resources in terms of giving you good information about, you know, where to seek treatment, um, what type of treatment is needed, um, and then overall how to deal with any level of problem that you're um, experiencing. Um, And then also understanding that there's a lot of information that we have available to us Um, via the internet on dealing with um, certain things. You want to make sure that they're credible. 
um, but build your level of insight. Um, one of the things that I do on a regular basis is um, I, tr I start my morning by, um, you know, prayer, supplication, devotion, sometimes in my closet or sometimes while I'm working out. And um, I go through four different categories that I want to be able to learn something new or build insight from. And so I try to make it a point to address that by the end of the day so that I can feel like I'm constantly growing. Um, our resources, we have, you know, uh, counseling available for you. We also do um, training and seminars for churches on how to develop an emotionally healthy church, um, how to become an emotionally healthy leader, which is pivoting off of the work of Peter Cesaro. Um, we are offering different wellness groups for those who are not really ready for the therapeutic uh, fill of things, um, where it's not really a support group, but it's just a way to kind of talk and feel safe. Um, and we're offering that to different types of churches. Um, we also have psychotherapy groups that we run at churches. Um, so that's a great resource. Um, we currently have three of those running now and everyone you know, loves to hear about it. Um, you could also find us on Facebook um, under Healing Your Hidden Hurts. Um, we also have the Facebook page for First Shepherds um, that you can find us. Um, so we're out there and I just encourage you guys to reach out and utilize what's in front of you um, while we go through this time because we all are needing each other in many different capacities. And um, you have people like me who really want to help. Wow, well, thank you so much. I mean, I've been speaking with Kamish Nunley. We've been talking about um, just wellness and mental wellness and, and encouragement during this time of pandemic. And um, I appreciate her sharing with us so many insights. This is a, a really rich conversation here. And I really thank you, Ms. Nunley, for, for coming on. I'm going to give you the final word. You want to share anything as we close out this conversation? Yeah, I just, I want pastors, congregants alike um, to understand that um, as we go through these uncharted territories, as we face these uncertain times, that um, God's greatest gift to us came in the form of people. Um, a lot of times I think we think of his gifts and his blessings as magical uh, things, but he said he gave gifts to men. Yes. And, and, and so we have to be able to utilize one another in that and, and rely on one another. And so it, it really is time to kind of surrender that Superman cape and see how you can either support someone or allow someone to support you. Um, so consider surrendering in this season, control what you can control and everything else. God um, is our strength and our weakness and his glory, he gets the glory when he's able to shine through um, when we think that it's impossible to overcome. So mm. that would be the last thing I want to share is just letting you know that um, it's okay in this season to rest. Christ is head and body, head and body. We need Jesus. We need his people. We need all the expertise he's put in the body so please uh, avail yourself to the website you see on the screen. Again, thank you, Ms. Nunley, for being with us uh, and sharing your insights. Thank you, so, thank you so much. Okay. All right. 
You've been watching Conversations in Focus here on Vision Stream Network, and this has been a most insightful and powerful conversation uh, with, with, with Kamish Nunley. And I want you to um, just take these things to heart, maybe share this video, uh, share the information. Let's help one another. Uh, you know, we only have God and each other, and so let's take full advantage of, of God's grace and take advantage of what he's given us in the kingdom of God, uh, people and resources like we have with uh, Ms. Dunley, this whole technology we're using now. We're, you know, I've been doing technology consulting for years with churches. Now they're finding out we need this and need to do it well. So, again, uh, you know, God's given us all these tools, and now this season is making us look at everything he's given us. So you be encouraged uh, log on to visionstreamnetwork.tv. We have a podcast. We have a YouTube channel. There are many conversations there you can, you can go look at and be informed by those. So until next time, you be encouraged, you be blessed, and everything happens, every good thing happens on a firm foundation. God bless.